0: you're listening to the best of Kevin Inquiry on 935 and 1075
1: the fan simply asking Jake to shut the blinds mark you, you would have thought i asked him hey can you have a colonoscopy here in the next 10 minutes i got you know i got that coming up actually a
0: couple of weeks thank you for reminding me that means which, you're going to be one out? Are you guys just going to pick me up afterwards
1: well i think uh, we'll see what Scotty's doing for when is for when that is this one. what is this <laughs> i don't know uh we're doing our Colts head coaching draft coming up here um 11 names that, that's what you've jotted down here mark i've got 11 okay. i we're trying to
2: think of a 12th so we can do four rounds but. well
1: let's just pull out somebody from the ring of honor how about well, bill brooks is the 12th before name? we begin well, geez, i think you
2: could put jim harbaugh on there if you wanted to is, is, sure, is, er, is
0: everyone comfortable with the room conditions or is there anything else i can do for you No, oh, i appreciate you doing the that feet
2: are a bit sore <laughs> Damn, not okay. wow. Well, rex ryan yeah, not really line
0: one Mark you, know, you should call the good feed store 1-800-639-3338
1: so what we're doing here is we're going to do a snake draft of these candidates again eight of them have either had a second interview or reportedly in aaron glenn's case that will be today a second interview but how we're going to do this and feel free to correct me if i'm wrong but we're doing this based off who we think the colts will pick as the next head coach correct who we believe will be selected Correct. Okay. Not, not our own d- personal choice correct. i mean you
2: can do that if you want
1: okay. but you're and playing a risky game there winner gets a couple of six pack of beer from the other two S- six pack of beer okay mm-hmm. I, li- I like this game all right uh we we're, we're going to draft for order i i should say we we will pick for order pick. so mark pick. in the bag is that what like a 1 2 or 3 it's
2: just it's just our names so whoever he, this is for the
1: this is for the first overall pick, pick or does this person With get a the pick first their pick, order? pick. Time out, time out. Does this person get to select one overall or do they get to select where they want to draft?
0: Why would you not want to draft number 1 overall? You don't want to, to pick number
1: 1. Maybe you would like the snake draft. Maybe you think these candidates are very even. Maybe you want the back-to-back mm-hmm. picks okay. at 3 or 4.
0: How do you want to How about this? Whoever's name I pull out of the hat gets to choose whether like they it. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> that was really That was really different. Actually, it's 6 to 1 Half does in the other, right? Who'd you get oh yeah
1: here.
0: will you show the youtube camera i have pulled my own name unbelievable
1: it is, is anything more fitting there mark? by the way you did you actually printed these out mark this is very official my time's new roman size 14 right here uh i have picked mark as you know i want to okay. make sure that my ego does not need to be fed uh jake where would you like to select do you want the number one overall pick
0: I will take the number one overall pick.
1: Okay, I'll just stay in order, and I'll take the second. overall. Mark, right, you're gonna pick, so. slot number two, and that means I will be snaking it here. I'll I be will three take and four. with With the first pick, oh, where's the stern voice? Thank
0: with the first pick and the 2023 Colts prediction head coach draft, Jake Query selects. Boy, that's a mouthful. <laughs> Raheem Morris. Okay.
2: So Raheem Morris off the board. All right. Defensive Graham's so Rams, okay. yep. D.C. there. Okay. Goes number one. Mark Dykton? With the second overall pick.
1: Looks <laughs> like Brian Callahan. Gosh. Boy, now that I hear names, I'm like, man, being three really sucks in this draft. Um, all right. With uh, the third pick. I'm that's two. I will take the other offensive coordinator that I believe, well, the other one that's been a second interview candidate, I will take from the Philadelphia Eagles, Shane Steichen. You have the fourth pick now as well, right? I do have the fourth pick. Man. Gosh. I'm a little torn here.
0: like Natalie and Boobly you can up. you can pull a Dolphins here and forfeit your pick in five seconds. I am predicting what
1: the Colts are going to do. Correct. correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. You have five seconds. Four, three, two. Going, Rich Pisaccio. Oh, damn it! Special teams coordinator of the Green Bay Packers, interim coach with the Raiders. Um, I will go Rich Pasaccia right there for. So you. I'm on the clock now. No, right? you're
2: not. Snaking it goes it. back to me. What? You're first overall, so you get one. Okay. And All right, go ahead. This good is Lord. why there was
1: some debate, and if go you ahead. wanted the first yeah, pick, or not.
2: you chose the well, I, the cards you picked yourself, sir. Okay. Okay. You'll have two coming up here in a row. This might be. Uh, no, you know what? With the fifth
0: pick, I'll take Azuro Evero. Okay, that's good because you guys have left me. Clearly, the number two overall candidate, Jeff
1: Saturday. You think he's clearly number two? I do. So you think it's either Morris or Saturday? You don't think the offensive uh, offensive coaches come into play here?
0: I think Jeff Saturday is still very in the mix. Well, I think Raheem Morris has the best CEO capability about him, and I think Jeff Saturday's very in the mix. That means it's still you again because we're snaking, so you get another pick. I got to look at the list.
2: Still have Wink Martindale, Bubba Ventrone, Eric Biennami, Aaron Glenn, Mike Kafka, Jim Harbaugh on the board. Unless you have a dark horse that you want to throw out there,
1: Mike Bray, maybe. No. Excuse, Excuse me. Dane yeah. Fife? Yeah. Michael Lewis. I was told to trade back. Matt said I should have traded back. I mean, hell, I'm drafting third. I, how far back do you want me to go here? Um,
0: I'll go with Aaron Glenn, who is getting his second interview, I believe, today, if he didn't have it yesterday. but Kind of a late second interview, but weird things in play. I'll go Aaron Glenn. I will take
1: Eric Biennale. Mm, interesting. Um, Okay, so i got two in a row coming up here? you got your final two. All right, my final two, and there's four names on the board. Wink Martindale, Bubba Ventrone, Mike Kafka, Jim Harbaugh. Unless you would like to add one to your
2: list that you don't think we've thought of, but that's what we came up with with at the break. uh, Uh, There's one that you don't see listed. Feel free to throw it out there.
1: Yeah, I I am intrigued by Kafka, but I'll go back-to-back. I'll go Wink and Bubba.
2: I mean, you did back-to-back
1: picks. You're supposed to space that out a little bit. Was that a remix? Yeah, a little bit. So how, about, take, how about those names, Wink and Bubba? Now how about, <laughs> that sounds like a... Did you remember Wink and Blink and a Nod? Uh, no. Okay. So um, wait, you t- who did you take? I'm sorry. Wink, Martindale, and Bubba Ventrone.
0: What if... Imagine if... The Colts head coach actually is not on the list, and none of us selected it. <laughs> well, well, then, and that could be that would be par for the course.
1: Boy, that's good credibility for the old show.
0: Uh, Jim Harbaugh is one that I think is still. I, I, I He's prob- on the list. I probably should have taken Harbaugh, but I went with Aaron Glenn. Well, you, um, can,
1: you, you can still take him. Yeah, it's my turn anyway. Depending on what what, what Mark
2: does here. Yeah, I'm taking Mike Kafka. I thought
0: thought we're only doing three each. Four. Oh, okay. Well, then hell.
1: We got to the even number 12. You're going to get Harbaugh. Hell, I'll take Harbaugh. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah, there you go.
2: So there you go. So Jake has Raheem Morris, Jeff Saturday, Aaron Glenn, Jim Harbaugh, Kevin has Shane Steichen, Rick Passaccia, Wink Martindale, and Bubba Ventrone. I have Brian Callahan, Azuro Evero, Eric Biennemi, Mike Kafka. There you go interesting should we get like tall boys if one of them becomes like a coordinator on the team oh definitely yeah you
1: get a you get a 40 there you go buy a 40 if one of them gets a coordinator so you think Jeff Saturday Jake you you'd put him number two right now I would I did that was your board
0: Yes, the board went His the big board, board went just, <laughs> the board went exactly as I had it yeah. slotted.
1: And that it's is exactly as
0: I anticipated.
1: You feel that's gut feel educated guess. I feel like things are cooling a little on old Jeff. I,
0: I don't think that that is unwise of you. I mean, I think that that I think that there's a lot of speculation Anticipation narrative amongst the fan base that the increased number of interviews conducted by Chris Ballard are indication that Chris Ballard is doing everything he can to present counter-argument to the Jeff Saturday narrative that Jim Irsay was in love with. I think that Jim Irsay, when he named Jeff Saturday the interim coach, thought that it was going to be, holy cow, what an outside-the-box genius. Why did we not think of that? And when it was met with, what in the world is happening here? I think that forced Jim Irsay to double down a little bit. Advantage in that regard, Jeff Saturday. Where Jeff Saturday aired from a tactical standpoint was to make it clear that it comes down to wins and losses. But I believe that Jeff Saturday, in Jim Irsay's mind, even though Ursay loves to win, I think Ursay felt like this particular season, it had gotten away from his team, and he wanted somebody that he trusted to come in and go through a laundry checklist of things that Ursay wanted accomplished by the interim coach. And I think that Saturday, in Jim Ursay's mind, fulfilled a lot of those requests.
1: Including blowing the biggest lead in NFL history, and the worst fourth quarter in NFL history?
0: I, I think those things are overshadowed in the mind of Jim Merce of the fact that Jeff Saturday is Jim Merce's invention and he is hell-bent on showing you that he is a better inventor than you. And that's his right. He's the owner of the franchise. And I do believe, yes, that the longer this goes, probably the more that is starting to... That aroma is probably becoming less noticeable is the wrong word because it's not like... But you get what I'm saying. That 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 presentation probably sure. is becoming more in the rear view.
1: Again, reportedly seven interviews have taken place for a second time. We've got a list up on 107.5thefan.com. To go over those seven, Aaron Glenn would become the eighth Detroit Lions defensive coordinator. Uh, Lions defense made a huge jump in the second half of the season. Played a lot of rookies, too, on that side of the ball. Um, he's been a deep into talks with the Saints I believe Broncos maybe Jets for some head coaching openings Arizona I think that interest this cycle as well so that's the name that we have added to the list uh, Mark you pretty pleased with your draft you I have am. my favorite and that's Brian Callahan I am I
2: like it uh, Why He's Callahan though I, I like Bassaccia a lot Basaccio, yeah
1: why Callahan over Steichen
2: just just what I've been hearing so yeah, It was a toss-up, though, but I went with Callahan. Yeah, I think a, that's a good debate.
0: I do like this text from up. Derek, by the way. Uh, the groundhog seeing his shadow means six more weeks of Colts interviews. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Probably not wrong. <laughs> that is pretty good. That's uh, solid. Yeah, Harley, of course. Uh, you have to leave the 40 in the paper bag. Yes, that is a given. Of One, course. 1,000%. 1, and, Scott, if only the real draft went this quick. Yeah, that was pretty efficient. I think so. That was kind of like our Considering fantasy Jake draft. I didn't know how snake draft work. Yeah, Jake, if you knew how it would have worked, would you have changed? Would you have not taken the number one overall pick? No, I
0: stay with number one.
1: You you got your, you got I your thought, two? What's that? Because you got your two, Morris and Saturday?
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I do think I think Morris has about him again, I think part of being an NFL head coach is just being kind of a CEO and overseeing multiple I I don't know that to me, at least if it were and that's a different discussion, if it were us making the higher if it were we making the
1: higher, you know. But I could get behind Morris, you just worry about the offense. That that would be my concern. That that's where stability and continuity on that side of the ball okay, for a young Q B. L- l-
0: let me ask you this, real quick, Kevin. This past season, which side of the ball were the Colts was the Colts strong suit?
1: Uh probably special teams but hey, defense if you're going to go offense or defense. Okay.
0: Frank Reich was brought in because he was a specialist on which side of the ball? Offense. Okay. So then that's why I'm not overly worried about the offense if Raheem Morris comes in as a defensive coach.
1: So you don't think the NFL trend of 13 of the 16, 13 of the 16
0: you, have been I offense? think if you bring him in under the understanding that he is a CEO and you bring in a dynamic young offensive coordinator, you're you're fine. Yeah.
1: Again, the question then is just and again this is a good problem to have if and when you have offensive success when that coordinator gets some head coaching interviews that is the question but that's a pretty good problem to run into down the road
0: i'm getting rave reviews on my elmer Fudd, by the way
1: it's not really what i'm seeing in my mentions
0: <laughs> josh no what what are you talking about Derek says, listening to Quarry amuse himself in the background. Well, uh, now, come on now. Imitating Elmer Fudd is getting my morning started off right. Yes, yeah, exactly. Now, Ryan says, are you doing all right this morning? Did somebody hurt you last night? Sounds like you're having a rough morning. How could you possibly listen to me this morning and think I'm in a bad mood? I don't understand the Groundhog Day thing, though. Mark's got the audio. What? Just beca- Let's ask Raphael Davis. We'll let him. He's not been listening
1: this morning. Boy, I'm sure this is, is exactly what he wants. 7 o'clock Central Time and... Listen. Probably we will, up late we last night in him, studio.
0: We, we will ask him if, if he thinks it is a... I'm not going to tell him which way I lean on this, right? So we'll, we'll bring him on the program right now before we get to talking about college basketball. Ray we're going to need you to play Judge Judy here real quick. Is that okay? No, I got you. Okay. Um, at Sometimes at Colts games at halftime, they bring out... A fan to try to catch like the punt, sim, the punt machine, and like people always like they never come within like 10 yards of it. People like get all turned around and they fall on their face and whatever else. And is it a harsh comment to say that, yeah, at an NFL game, they always bring some jackass out of the stands to like make a jackass out of themselves for the amusement of the crowd? Is that a harsh statement or is that just like a euphemism?
3: Oh. And I don't know, man. I I, I would say. I don't know. I would say it would say it's a little bit of both because sometimes those that's the best that's the highlight of some fans' life. So I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess you got to look at it both ways. It could be for um, marketing and all of that, but it also could be to make somebody's day. And I'm all for making people's day. So I don't. I'm not sure.
1: Uh, it could be our final time Raphael Davis ever joins us after <laughs> that's how we started off this interview at 7 a.m. on a Thursday. Well, you didn't agree with me, so yeah. No, I'm just kidding. He was in studio last night with Dave Revson and Bruce Weber, and of course, the first game. A historic night in Mackey for Mason Gillis. right I think you said it in the final media timeout. If Purdue's reserves play like this, and obviously Mason Gillis, what he did last night speaks for itself, but what they've gotten out of David Jenkins, you know, Brandon Newman, Trey Kaufman, Wren, some of the other guys in recent weeks, it almost seems like this has kind of shifted some of the thinking and like, whoa, late March, early April it is really, really possible.
3: Oh, yeah, it's a perfect. Um... It's the perfect timing for the reserves to be playing well. I mean, I do look at, I mean, you look at what things have gotten, things have gotten tight over the last few games. I go to that Michigan game at Michigan. They were struggling offensively. They had third, Trey Kaufman-Rend. Trey Kaufman-Rend didn't play that much in that game, but he goes four for four from the field, gets you eight points. and really gives you a boost off the bench. At home against Michigan State, David Jenkins, he goes three for four from the three-point line. He helps win that game with that, and then last night, I mean, it goes without saying, Mason Gillis was just big time, and they, teams are daring other people to beat him. I mean, they guarded, you think about last season, Mason Gillis was number five in the country in offensive, offensive efficiency. He had the number one true field goal percentage, true shooting field goal percentage in the Big Ten, and Penn State, and I know Coach Shrewsbury, Coach Shrewsbury recruited Mason Gillis, I guess, but. They guarded him like he was a bum, <laughs> and they dared him to shoot, and that's what people will do to you. I play with Isaac Haas and AJ Hammond there. They're going to they're going to dare some people to shoot, and even Ethan more. Ethan hit that first three, and then he hit another one, and it's like now guys have really settled into their roles. And something good about Purdue is not I don't want to belabor a point, but paint after each game, paint always tells us. Especially, I mean, even when I play, paint tells the locker room. I'm sure he did it last night. Each guy is going to have his moment. Somebody different is going to win the game for us each time. you got to be ready. you got to be ready for your moment. And Payne has really gotten those guys to buy into their roles. So you think about Mason. Mason is a redshirt junior. Uh, he's been around a while. He was starting this season, got a spot taken by Caleb First. And he's accepted his role with the team. And then last night, you see Mason Gillis start the second half and Caleb First barely played. And when Mason Gillis hit that last three, that ninth three, it was the first person off the bench was Caleb First. And just um, the way this team gets excited for each other, Zach E in the press conference, you got the player of the year talking about, I just want to get out the way and let other people score. So, I mean, this team is just built, built really well, and they have a really good locker room.
0: You know, I was going to ask about this because, to your point, Raphael, Raphael Davis is our guest. You saw him last night on Big Ten Network the former Purdue player. When you played, it was a similar situation where, to your point, there were multiple guys that it could be their night. This Purdue team, to me, is so impressive because there are multiple guys that if all of a sudden things come through them, they can elevate and get you that 15 to 18 points that, that exceed what you expected from them. Does Matt Painter occasionally come up with at different intervals moments or segments in a game to get some guys involved just to give them that taste, if you will, so that when the moments arrive schematically where it is going to be their night, it, they are accustomed to having the ball come through them. Does that make sense what I'm asking and and do they vary things that, that
3: makes, way? It makes sense, and I think my. And I, I mean, I don't. I'm. I'm not at practice every day, but I'm just going off of when I played. And what I know about paint is paint's not running plays for guys coming in off the bench. Paint's not running plays for his fourth leader score. Paint's running plays. If you're talking about sets, paint's running sets for Zach. He's running sets for Braden. He's running sets for Fletcher. And everybody else just kind of gets theirs through their offense. But then, say so you do have a Mason Gillis, he hit a couple. Then paint will start to run stuff for it. You know what I mean? But the way Purdue's offense is, the motion, motion is um, anybody can go and get it within within Purdue's offense. It may look as though sometimes they're running plays, but they're not. They're just in their natural motion, and they're just getting shots out of motion, and they're just playing off of that. And they. They share the ball so well, you don't necessarily have to draw up plays for Mason Gillis because when Zach is double, he's going to pass it. When Braden draws help, he's going to pass it. They just played the a game the right way. Only seven turnovers last night. They out-rebounded Penn State by 20. They beat them in the paint by 20. Then they also made 14 threes. When they're playing that way, it's just tough to beat them. But Payne is a guy where he's going to run sets for maybe three guys to start a game, and then once somebody gets going, he'll start, he'll start getting them going. But Paint is also the guy where he'll bring you in. If you're a reserve, I think I came off the bench for Paint, He'll bring you in the office. He'll talk to you. He'll tell you he appreciates what you're doing for the team. You know what I mean? He'll tell you your moment is coming to be ready and things like that they get in the gym with you. they will work with you. But as far as sets, as far as sets, I don't remember getting any sets when I was the seventh man off
1: the bench. <laughs> oh, if you hit seven or eight threes, man, I, I, I thought there for a second Mason Gillis was going to hit a tenth if Painter would have left him in there for oh, the final yeah. couple of minutes. Again, Rayfield Davis, three-time captain at Purdue, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. You see him on Big Ten Network. He joins us right now on the Payless Lickers Hotline. All right, shifting gears to Saturday, 4 o'clock inside of Assembly Hall. Rayfield, when you were at Purdue, being an Indiana kid did this one mean more to you?
3: Yeah definitely I mean this is a big game I even go back to I mean I take it to my house my household my I'm, I'm the youngest of three and my two older siblings they both have Indiana degrees my mother has a Purdue degree and I have a Purdue degree so we have a we have a house divided i mean growing up we had the purdue cups the indiana cups i wouldn't drink out of indiana cups you know what i mean so it's um, uh, it's a big deal because i i committed to purdue when i was shit, i was a freshman in high school so i got to grow through it i got to see robbie Hummel and those guys battle with indiana and i got to see i mean i got to see his go as far as i just really have embraced the rivalry and it means a lot even a year we were we were last placed in the Big Ten my sophomore year, but we beat Indiana that year. And you would have thought that we were having one of the greatest seasons we were having, we have had because the fans, they loved it. They appreciated it. Our records go out the window. It's a, it's a big-time rivalry. Before the game, when I played, they would they would have uh, former guys call in and talk to us about how big it is. You may hear from Conzo, Big Dog, Joe Barry Carroll, things like that, to just... Really express how important the rivalry is. I mean, I'm talking to Bruce Weber last night, and it's like I'm talking to a live, <laughs> a live encyclopedia. He's telling me the first, the first time Katie played in that game when Katie came to the state. I mean, Katie got two technical fouls in the first minute on purpose, just to, just to show. Just to Bruce said it last night. His quote was to show time, to show um, Bob Knight, out here now. I'm in the state now. And that I'm willing to go toe to toe with you. And I mean, you got, you got, you got the chair thrown. You got Bobby Knight bringing a donkey to the interview. I mean. Well, Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas knocking Roosevelt Barnes, <laughs> So, I mean, it just goes so far. Chad off the hit and jump shot. But it's just a big-time game. Even when I play, I mean, I, I went to school, middle school, grew up with James Blackman Jr. So we grew up together. And to be able to play with him, I grew up with Yogi. I mean, we to talk trash in the summer, bragging rights. It's just um, it's big-time. And this year, I really, um, last last year as well, I really enjoy the rivalry now because you have two guys that played for Bobby Knight, that played for Gene Katie, they played in the game, they understand the rivalry. It's a big deal to them. And now they're coaching the game. It's it had the most intensity it's had in a while.
0: So we know that Trace Jackson Davis is an elite level player. And that's what Indiana's going to try to ride in, particularly at home. But if you look at Mason Gillis last night, that's what Purdue does, is if Edie is not rolling, which, or if they need somebody else to roll off of him, they have multiple guys. If you are Indiana, your concern is trying to get what Indiana player involved in addition to Trace Jackson Davis. And what does Indiana need to do to combat Zach Edie? Hmm.
3: I would say just make it tough on Zach Edie. I mean... Well, the thing that, a good thing to do about the a good way to guard Zach Eady is to have your guards, have your guards of so Tamar Bates, Galloway, Cobb, Mr. Uh, really pressure produced perimeter players and not let it be easy to give it to Zach Eady. If you let those guards just get an easy catch on a wing and get a clear pass to Zach Eady, you're in trouble. But if you push them out like Rutgers did or Maryland started doing that second half, and you be physical with those guards, and you make a, make a first tough catch, and you push the offense out, it's tougher to post feed from a, from above the th- above the free throw line. So pushing the guards out, being physical, for me, I would, I if I'm going to trap, I would come on a baseline and bring the guy baseline, kind of simulate what Nebraska did. But the thing about post traps and the thing about guarding people is if you don't do it every game, every day in practice, if your guys aren't used to it, you're going to struggle at it. If Chris Jeffino isn't used to the rotations out of a post trap, he's never done that consistently, he's going to struggle three, four times during the game, and you don't want those times to give up threes. So I think you've got to stick with your same principles. you got you got to play the same way. I'm sure they're going to go TJD on him. TJD just cannot pick up any quick fouls. I would not be surprised if you saw Rachel Thompson starting on Zach Gede just to protect TJD's foul situation. And then another good way to, to guard Zach Eady is to just go at him. Go at Zach Eady if you're TJD. Make him guard you. Wear him out get a defensive rebound, push the basketball. Don't let Zach get down the floor and get set. And then also just um, talking about guys that have to get going. I mean, you got to have Miller Cobb, you got to have Galloway or Tamar Bates. I believe at least one of those guys has to get going. I mean, you want to have two get going, but all three of them can't have an off night the same night. And that's, um, you see it with Iowa. Per- Perkins and... Sanford, those two can't have an off night the same night or they struggle. I think when when Bates and Galloway, when they both struggle in the same game, it's tough for those dudes to win. But they also, they play better at home. Our role players always play better at home. I mean, so we'll see how that goes. But I would say if you can get those, one of those two guys going, it'll really help because now with Indiana's offense, it's really changed in my opinion because you have – TJD now will get a defensive rebound, and he's no longer looking to outlet the pass to the point guard. And Hushafino Shafino has been around enough good players to understand he doesn't have to wait for the outlet like a traditional point guard. He's smart enough and he's heavy enough and good enough to just run the floor. He understands TJD can push it. So when TJD gets that rebound and he pushes the break in transition, I mean, it's a difference, maker if those dudes are making shots. So I would say try to speed the game up, get those guys going, some transition threes. But you got to block out. If you don't block out, Purdue is going to kill you in the offensive glass. I mean, Zachary had seven offensive rebounds last night.
1: Yeah, you brought up earlier Trace Jackson Davis in foul trouble. That happened last year in that game in Bloomington, but Robert Fennessey was absolutely huge. Of course, with the game winner, but in the first half as well. Raphael Davis is with us here. You saw him last night on Big Ten Network. Of course, the three-year captain for Matt Painter and the former Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. I want to go back to this, this rivalry for a moment, and, and I thought you had some really candid and, and great comments about what it meant to you as an Indiana kid. Did you get the vibe... Like, okay, Penn State game ends last night. Did you get the vibe that this Thursday, Friday, leading into the Indiana game, it meant more to the coaching staff? Like, there was a, maybe a bigger emphasis? I I would feel very torn if I were Matt Painter and being like, you got to treat each game the same, but you also know the magnitude of being the Purdue head coach and what it means when Indiana shows up on the schedule.
3: Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, you listen to Purdue. He's I mean, he talked talk Coach Painter. He's talked publicly about it. I mean, when I was in high school, Missouri... He came out Missouri had made some calls and it, it was just a big hoopla about Paint maybe leaving Purdue, going to coach in Missouri, and whatnot. And I'm at high school, and Paint he has even said it. I mean, now he's when you're thinking about making those decisions, he takes into consideration that if he do, if he leaves Purdue, he'd never be able to walk into Sidney Hall and beat Indiana as a Purdue coach. You know what I mean? And Paint grew up as an Indiana fan. His whole family's Indiana fans, and they didn't take him. So, you know, that still means something to him. Purdue took in Gene Katie. He loved Gene Katie. So, you know, that's a little bit in there. But, I mean, it's um, it's definitely you take every game, one game at a time. You don't overlook Penn State. And last night they did a good job by not overlooking Penn State. And you see other teams care about that. I mean, you think about Maryland, Julian Reese, Indiana's official Twitter page. I don't see anything wrong with it. They put out of, you know, the game is on ESPN Saturday, 4 o'clock. Julian Reese, I mean, he said he took that personally, he said they overlooked Maryland, that's what that gave Maryland juice, that gave Maryland energy, so you want to take it one game at a time, but also, all Purdue's guys are Indiana guys, I mean, I would say 10 of their guys are from Indiana maybe, so they get the rivalry, Trey kaufman Ren is from Southern Indiana, Mason Gillis is from South of Indianapolis, so you get you they understand the magnitude so it's not as if you have to preach to them you know what i mean and then a few of them everybody's played in the game except the freshmen so they know what it is they understood that purdue had the winning streak last year they lost and they you know what i mean they were number one so it means it means a lot to purdue it means a lot to indiana and for the um, players it's just that that night before Especially when it's a home game. The paint crew is sleeping in, sleeping out in the um, indoor track and all of that stuff. It's just uh, it's a big deal. I, I would say, at this point, after that Penn State game with the zero, I mean, you go in the locker room, and now this is the biggest game of the season. So now you have two days to act like it and really prepare for it. But it's um this year it's not just for the fans. A lot of times you know records go out the window as for the fans, but this year it's really two really 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 good teams. Two teams that can really I believe can make a push to a final four, and I think this will be the best game in a while. I mean I know last year it came down to a buzzer beater, but this year, the, I mean the matchups you got Trey after today to Zach Eadie. Jack Eady probably be Player of the Year. Trey Jackson Davis trying to make a push. You got two freshman point guards, Brandon Smith, of Fino. I mean, it just it, it lines up to be a great story and, uh, and a great game. I'm, I'm looking. I'm really. I am really looking forward to it.
0: Last question. I mean, I still
3: remember my own um, I, I mean, I have to cut you, but I can still remember my sister. My sister was nine months pregnant. Nine months pregnant. You can have that image in your head. She actually. My sister said, so look, I'll explain the story. She was nine months pregnant. We were playing Indiana at Mackey, and she wore an Indiana hoodie. Oof. And if you guys are familiar, <laughs> Man. our families our sit families in the family section. If you guys are familiar with how the players and the tickets work. So my sister is in the Purdue family section on Purdue IU night in the big red hoodie, and she's nine months pregnant. We lose about 40, I think. That was when um, they had... I mean, Victor Depot, that was um, Cody Zeller. I think the score was 90 to 65 or something like that. If or 55. I don't think we scored 60. And after that game, she not just sat in the stands, but she walked through the tunnel to get back to the locker room in that big, bright hoodie. And I remember Peyton seeing her and just shaking his head, just nodding, just shaking his head. So, I mean, this game runs deep. And then the very next day after that game, my sister had my nephew. So, this game will always be important to me. This game will be important to everybody. It's a big one.
0: Nephew is an Indiana or Purdue fan. What a move by her. Uh, the ne- my nephew, was his his mother went to Indiana. He was, remember, something. Uh, yeah, there we go. All right, now does he, does he know what Uncle did in that's his time right. in West Lafayette? Here's, here's my last question. My father, my nephew's
3: father played football in Indiana as well, so he's uh, he, he's in an Indiana. Kid.
0: An <laughs> oh, that's fair. <laughs> my last question is this: one name answer, top of your head, best player on the floor Saturday is Zach Eadie. And um,
3: I know Trace Jackson Davis is great. He's unbelievable, but Zach Eadie's done this all year long. He's done this against great talent. And I know TJD wasn't feeling the best in December. His back was hurt, and he just wasn't. He wasn't himself, but those games against Arizona and Kansas, you, you just can't delete them out your head. You know what I mean? You can't just say, oh, he wasn't feeling well. If you're out there, you're out there. You can play hurt, but you cannot play injured. And if you go out there, the game is going to count. And Zach Eadie against that would do those top teams, he had his way. So, I would still go Zach Eadie right now, probably the most dominant player I've seen in college basketball in a long time. But Trey Jackson Davis, not a bit, he's reached the bounds above him. Trey jackson Davis is right there. Trey Jackson Davis, I mean, is playing some of the best basketball in the country. But if you think about Zach Eadie, you start to hear those rumbles about Trey jackson Davis, player of the year. Trey jackson Davis, player of the year. What does he do? He goes against Michigan State, time is no team, and gives him thirty eight. So <laughs> it's um it's tough to decide, but I would go um I would say it's close that you Trey Jackson Davis. But then if I'm picking a third player, I would go Hood Shafino. So I would say Purdue has the best player that Indiana has the next two, and then you go back to Purdue.
1: Just awesome, awesome stuff from Rafael Davis here. Obviously, you see him on Big Ten Network. And house divided for the Davis family coming up on Saturday at 4 o'clock. Raphael, thanks for waking up with us, man. Really, really appreciate it. Great stuff all year long on uh, Big Ten Network, and hopefully we can have you on again.
3: Um, I appreciate you guys having me anytime.
1: Jake, where do you think tonight on the LeBron James Carmel Pup Scale, where do you think we're at?
0: Um, you mean in terms of has it lost its luster?
1: You know, when Steph Curry's in the building, we've got every caramel pup in America, or I should say, in Hamilton County, in there wearing their Steph jerseys, watching. I would say Steph. That,
0: I would say that LeBron has now fallen behind, and Scott Agnes can weigh in on this. But from a, there's that like this uh, this electricity in the building, right? with certain players certain visiting players and then you see all the little kids with the jersey on of a player yeah they make a shot in the cheer rivals of pacers basketball. correct i would say that lebron james is now probably still slightly ahead of kevin durant but has fallen behind in no particular order steph curry Giannis, and john morant See, I, I was I, I was think, surprised how many John Morant kids were there. Yeah.
2: I think John, the love John's for LeBron one. is still there because I think it, it is. I think people are especially his age now, people are like, well this might be one of the last times, you know. No, but again in the terms with of, the younger generation of little kids, the, I think
1: Stephen Ja would be yeah, ahead of him. I would LeBron. agree with you there. Yeah. Let, let's ask Scott Agnes. He joins us right now from Fieldhouse Files. Scott, which visiting players would you put above LeBron in terms of excitement from the Gamebridge faithful when they come here.
4: Yeah, so I I think it's Steph and Jaw from a kid standpoint, but I'm not sure it gets any better than LeBron. And, and mm-hmm. just going off the numbers, LeBron was the top selling jersey this past year. So um, if you want to go off that, or at least to start the season, it's him. It's Steph. It's Giannis.
0: Oh um, Giannis is way up there. The guy I'll tell you the guy, Scott, that I'm a little surprised by. Stephen Holder went with me to one of the games and he commented on this and I'm like, you know what, you're right. For as exciting and like electric a player as he can be, I'm surprised we don't get more out of that from um Trey from um Trey Young? Yeah, Trey Young. Hmm. Like I, I didn't see, like, you would think that he's kind of like a breakthrough player like that because he's
4: kind of like Steph Curry-Light, and yet it didn't seem like there was any of that. Man, he is not a likable player. Doesn't play defense, gets in battles with his teammates. I'm not surprised by that for those reasons. But purely from an offensive standpoint, yeah, he can get hot, get on a heater quickly. They um, say Bismack um,
0: Biyombo, Jake. B- Bismack Biyombo is, it should be the most popular player in the game. You know why, <laughs> Kevin. Why
4: is
1: that?
0: Because his name's Bismack Name is Bismack Biyombo.
1: <laughs> yeah, again, Scott's heard that joke I know that, times. I know that when,
0: well, here's the thing. You know that Bismack Biyombo has collected more than five rebounds and or points in a game because Scott Agnes will text me.
1: Hey, Bismack <laughs> Biambo's going off. Sacramento, late game. <laughs> oh, Scott, come on now. Scott Agnes with us here. Fieldhouse files. A whole lot to get to on and off the court with the Pacers. Sounds like Tyrese Halliburton's got a great chance to make his return to the lineup. Tonight, uh, Scott, did I see was Tyrese Halliburton in Bloomington last night?
4: Yeah, he was. It was a, a, Something very different for sure. Um, it was for fashion. He's huge into fashion, and so he was brought in to be on a panel. And then um, something even cooler happened after that. He broke. You know how they break down panels, you know, into different areas. Well, then, like a group of about a dozen. Um, students had all these designs prepared, and um, at least one of them's going to be able to design one of his outfits that he wears to a game, and my guess is he'll end up buying some clothes from some of them. Um, it was it was really cool, mm. and so that, that'll be a story I'll be working on here in uh, the next week or two.
1: Would you say that's Halliburton's kind of like biggest off-the-court thing that he loves? I know he's a big video game guy as well
4: yeah it's those two it's video games and and fashion for sure and and he didn't the fashion things really evolved over the years too Uh, much like any young player you go from athletic wear athletic leisure whatever you can kind of afford and get your hands on um to now i mean he he said he discussed so much of how he's you know on instagram and getting inspirational ideas and if he's hears of someone else wearing or see someone wearing similar clothing he doesn't even want to wear it anymore he wants to always be different and and be himself so uh that was a fun night last night and it was it was not just kind of a, a show up yeah i'm here show face like he was there for over three hours just working and and, and enjoying this aspect this wasn't just uh, an appearance it was something that he was very much involved in and in enjoying
1: uh, this, by the way, from a great human named Mark King, um, he goes, my source says it's Ja Morant, and his source is his nine-year-old nephew who's on the Carmel Pups, by the way. Nice. So we got a direct Don't source here. One that, degree yeah. of separation from the Pups, Ja Morant on that one. Jake.
4: I could tell you, when sorry, real fast. I could tell you when Ja came this, this last time, I was amazed. I haven't seen that that large a crowd for anyone outside of Steph in in any recent game. So his popularity continues to surge, no doubt. I I would agree.
0: I mean, I was like, whoa, you know. Um, Scott, let me tell you a guy that I'm intrigued by. And I want you to tell me if I'm wasting my time by being intrigued by him because his time may be short-lived. I don't believe it will be. The exact player, and I know that we're going to make a lot out of Tyrese Halliburton returning to the court for the Pacers, for good reason. The guy the Pacers need... The exact body type, the exact style, the exact missing ingredient I'm not going to say that puts them over the top, but that this team does need is exactly what Daniel Tice could bring to the floor. And by that, I mean big body, not afraid to set some screens, get some guys open, uh, just kind of set a mentality and a tone to the other team of like, hey, you know, we're, we're a little beefier now. And just a, a junkyard dog. Am I too excited about this? Is he going to be flipped, or is he a guy that they actually have envisioned plans for?
4: I, I will say I think the biggest thing is they're not sure exactly what they have in him. They know what, what his skill set and what he has certainly done over his first like seven seasons in the league. But how does he work with this group? We haven't even seen it in the preseason, so there's a big curiosity about that part. Because you're right, he, he's got the know-how. He he was in the NBA Finals last year playing limited minutes, but he was there huge in pick and roll and defense and the physicality that is the other big part that this team could use a little bit more of. So uh, he provides all that. How does he work with all these pieces? If you want to make it a a puzzle here, that's what we're not exactly sure. I don't think this is by no means to be clear. Uh, The the trade deadline is is in exactly one week. Let's throw him out there. Get other teams excited and move him. No, this was this was on Daniel's schedule um, and, and where the team was comfortable with him returning here. Uh, this is exactly twelve weeks from surgery, uh, and so this is just the start. And so I think he'll probably certainly be on limited minutes, whatever that looks like, five to ten, just as we get started here. And and easy remember he's uh, <laughs> this Pacers team is one of the fastest in the league, so that's gonna that's gonna. Um, be very difficult, I think, for him to get going so early and he will want to break early. But uh, I I don't think this is for trade purposes at all. Okay,
1: Scott, on on that note, and again, Scott Agnes with the here, Fieldhouse Files. Uh, We are a week out from the NBA trade deadline. I know this probably isn't your favorite game to play, but if you don't mind, I'll throw this your way. Um, I'm going to list four names for you, and you give me the likelihood that they are traded come next week the four names and i'll just go in order i think of their age we'll throw daniel tice let's put tj mcconnell let's put chris duarte and let's put goga batadze from most to least likely who would be
4: trading (laughs) um see if i can remember all the uh let's do goga mcconnell duarte Duarte, goga goga duarte tice mcconnell
0: See, I, I see Bataze as being a th- the only way he's moved is if he's paired with somebody, right?
4: Yeah, most likely. I, I just, it, or if a team really just wants to to include a, a second round pick here, um, I, I just don't. <laughs> I, yeah, it's it's just going to be difficult to get much of anything right now.
1: Just such a logjam in the front court, especially if Tice is going to get consistent minutes.
0: I think there are people, Scott. You tell me if I'm too optimistic here. I do think there are people that feel like Goga Batazzi's minutes, and you know, just kind of at a ceiling in Indiana, are more about what Kevin just said, and less about like I do think that there are people that think you know, in spot minutes, he's okay. He he can give you you know, he's not a complete stiff. He's probably not worth more than a second round pick. But if somebody does need a secondary off-bench front-court scorer, he might entice them a little bit. Am I giving him too much credit?
4: No, I don't think so because of how high he was drafted, you know, going back almost four years ago, and he how he'll show what he can do when he gets actual minutes. I'll, I'll make one thing clear. When he plays spot minutes, if he's playing five to ten minutes per game, not very helpful give him 15 to 20 and i think he'll produce for you he's gonna grab six seven rebounds things like. and right now the challenge as you guys alluded to is the pacers are in a minute shortage when it comes to bigs and so he's down that pecking order right now probably at least fourth and he he realizes and knows it's been made clear to him like you know we got to get these guys minutes and so you know you're you're here on a need basis right now um, and so that's the challenge. And he's in a contract year. And, and this 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 has been one of the big Pacers' biggest problems is trying to find any of the big minutes. And so he's the odd man out.
1: Can Scott Agnes with us. Fieldhouse Files tonight. It's Pacers and Lakers over at GameBridge Fieldhouse. The Lakers a slight favorite in that one. It does sound like Tyrese Halliburton will make his return to action. Been out for over three weeks. The Pacers have been, uh, frankly, awful without him. Scott, it sounds like no minutes restriction. And I would assume he'd be good for back-to-back because... You know the Kings. First off, are the opponent tomorrow night? And when we've looked at this injury, and you said this from day one, it seems like it's been more elbow related, less knee related. So I would assume conditioning won't be too too much of an issue.
4: Right? Yeah, that, that's absolutely the thinking. Tyree said after a first couple of days, when the first uh, like adrenaline rush and the pain subsided. Pretty quickly, he got back to running. Um, now there's nothing that quite replicates and matches the game reps and, and you know running up and down the court in a true game, unpredictable cutting fashion. But uh, he's been able to maintain his cardio because the knee issue is not as much really an issue anymore. It's strengthening and you know that left arm is still kind of the struggle. So he's been wearing that black black brace while he's shooting and in practice for the last week plus but yeah it's going to be it would be very difficult let me tell you that to keep him out of friday's game and and it's Sabonis's first game by the way returning to indianapolis and playing since the uh the trade um so so that will certainly be fun i think for him to kind of enjoy the moment and all that and by the way i think i think it's hilarious to me at least how the, the coincidence here of miles turner signing his extension and then celebrating with fans, and who is the first opponent that comes in after all the talk? It turns out to be the Lakers. Maybe it's just That's a good me, point. I yeah, a, it, I got a big laugh out of all. And
1: of then that. it's a bonus the next night. You know, it, it, it is kind of fitting that the, the Western Conference team show up then.
4: Hey, Scott, absolutely. And on top of that, these three games are expected to be sellouts. So this is this is a big. I don't know, telling point, testing mark for the paces right now. Lost 10 of 11. Like You're going to have the crowd. You're going to have Tyrese. You have the storyline. Can you deliver on the court and get back to playing that level of play that you were three weeks ago?
0: Scott, The the slump that Chris Duarte went through and just kind of his inability to get footing as – a complimentary piece. I know he's a good player, and I know that he has shown that he can be a good player still for this franchise. But he is a guy that, you know, obviously in kind of a breakout rookie year, there were some that might have thought that he would be a more integral player. Has that diminished his trade value at all? I mean, does he have the same value today that he had, say, six months ago?
4: No, he doesn't, and certainly not that he did one year ago when he was starting and having that you know, significant role in, in knocking down uh, all the shots that he was previously playing just at a different level because there was less of a backlog in Correct. that position yeah. and he was more featured. So yes, it it is directly impacted what observers think in the league. Yes. And Scott Agnes
1: with us from Fieldhouse Files here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. As Scott said, three of the next four nights inside of Cambridge Fieldhouse, the Lakers and Kings is back to back, and then I think it's a five o'clock tip this Sunday. With the Cavs, um, I, I assume Tyrese Halliburton will get the nod to the All Star team tonight. Scott, uh, do you believe that, and could we see Buddy Hield in the three point contest?
4: Yeah, so I do believe Tyrese will um, will be an All Star. I mean, that every every head coach we talk with before games, you know, can't talk enough about him and his impact, and and we've seen head coaches, you know, happily reward teams that have success because of a, a player you know and what they're able to do. Now this is one thing you don't know for sure. It's not like a you know they've already you know they, they've handled the results tightly enough, I should say to where we are very much in the dark. but I think it is widely assumed that Tyrese will be in the all-star game. And then uh, yeah very likely Buddy will be in the three-point contest as well. Okay, last
0: question for me, Scott Buddy healed. He's a pacer in three weeks, yes or no.
4: I'll say yes. I think right now, more likely than not, Pacers don't do anything of note. You know, maybe there's a small move, but I, I, I don't, I don't foresee anything too much. I think they'll finish this year out. Is is the way it's trending, and then reassess the situation in the offseason. You,
1: you have me a little nervous with that question, Jake. Do you ask that based off intel or just based off of? Curiosity. No, curiosity. Okay. I, okay. I,
0: I also believe I'm with Scott. I don't think Scott. I'm team Keep Healed. So that, here's, that's why I was a little worried. So I guess I do have another question for Scott. Uh, Scott, my thought is this. I was telling somebody this last night. I feel like the Pacers are like a Lego kit, and they're pretty happy with you know, the Turner model. Loves Legos. That's right. And so does, he does. the Hot Rod, yeah. <laughs> I, I think they're pretty happy with what they've built with the Lego pieces they've acquired. And now they feel like to really have a good team, they just simply need one or two more pieces to clip onto it. They don't necessarily feel like there are any in that block that they need to remove it's simply now an addition game by some of the pieces they have over the next year meaning multiple first round picks yeah sure if they want to move a few complementary pieces maybe they do that but I don't think anybody that we would consider the core they are looking to trade and I believe Buddy Heald is part of that core right now based on his leadership his outside shooting and the energy that he brings
4: yeah, I would I would agree with that. They acknowledge that they're at least uh, another piece away, and so it just becomes uh, when are they and how are they able to get it? If if there's a, an offer made from another team where you know it makes a no brainer sense to go out and get, or a, a player suddenly becomes available, that's where the Pacers want to jump on it and be opportunistic with it. But they're not going to force it. They're not. They recognize this isn't the championship contending window this season. There's not. Uh, a reek of des- desperate um, feeling around the team. What they want to do, to your point, is they see the Legos, they're building them. There's a couple pieces they're not sure how it works within the puzzle, and then on top of that, you know maybe the, you know the, the castle or whatever they want to put on top, they still need to go after that. Um, they have a lot of draft picks for this offseason, they also really like this upcoming draft, but I think it would. I think the best case scenario would be a combination of hitting another draft pick or two and then acquiring at least one other player, your wing, your power forward, um, that they haven't had for the last three or four years that, that has the NBA experience already and then seeing where this team can take off.
1: Tell you what, good luck finding affordable Legos right now. Gosh, you're no to kidding. talk about some pricey <laughs> items there. Uh, fun few nights coming up inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Lakers, Kings, the back-to-back, and then as we said, the Cavs coming up on Sunday. I think it's eight games to go for the Pacers until the All-Star break. Scott Agnes has great coverage over on Fieldhouse Files. Thank you, Scott.
4: You bet. Thank you, guys.